Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. I'm delighted to say that today's guest is Vanessa Bucklin. You're going to find out all about Vanessa in just a moment. But just to give you a bit of background, she was raised as a farmer's daughter in rural Montana, United States, and decided to pursue a career in business and finance. I mean, why wouldn't you if you grew up in rural Montana? She achieved an MBA from the University of Montana, and after starting a banking business and career at Wells Fargo Bank in Las Vegas, of all places, Vanessa then went on to become vice president of commercial and agricultural lending, and has since started her own company, PCI Conrad, LLC. As well as her numerous awards in the industry, Vanessa is the author of The Penultimate Step. It is a brilliant book. We'll talk about that in a moment. And if that wasn't enough, Vanessa has also completed, wait for this, 11 marathons and three ultra marathons. Big gulp. Have to say, Vanessa, that's, that's just showing off. And, um, and if that wasn't enough as well, today's podcast is being uh, conducted with Vanessa, not in her office, as we expected, but in a school because it's the only place she could take shelter in the middle of a massive snowstorm. So she wouldn't even let us down uh, despite the inclement weather in the United States. So uh, Vanessa Bucklin, very, very uh, warm welcomes to the Sandro Forte podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm just, it's such an honor for me to be able to um, be a guest on this podcast. I've listened to a lot of your other ones and you've had such notorious, wonderful, accomplished people. I, I'm totally humbled by the fact that I'm here today. So thank you for that. Well, I have to say, Vanessa, you're being very modest. Your, your CV uh, is right up there with the best of them, I have to say. And uh, I'm just waving your book at you now. Uh, the listeners can't see this, but uh, I have read your book from cover to cover. And I have to say that I'm, no, um, I'm not going to patronize you in any way. This is a very, very sincere comment. It is a very, very well-written book. It isn't just the content. It's very, very well-written. So um, many congratulations. It takes a lot of write a book, as I know. Um, but we'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a moment. Um, first of all, Vanessa, for those who don't know Vanessa Bucklin, um, and I'm getting to know you, we've exchanged a few messages. This is the first time we've had a chance to have a proper chat. Um, just give us a little bit of background. You know, those, those days on, on the farm in, in Montana, uh, to, to where you are now in, in, you know, in a couple of minutes. Okay, well... You did a great job in the introduction, but like you said, I grew up in a red, white, and blue little town in rural Montana, USA, as a farmer's daughter. So the town I grew up in um, has 2,500 people, which means we have one stoplight and no McDonald's. So it's just very rural, very agriculturally based. And of course, um, I think everyone can um, can feel that as a farmer's daughter and growing up and being raised on a farm, it was you know good, strong work ethic was the, the fundamental for that, um, had a wonderful childhood. And um, as I grew up, I, you know, like most kids in a small town, I really wanted to 
see what else was out there, um, dreamed of getting out of that little town and um, wanted to go to UNLV in Las Vegas to study hotel administration. And my mom put her foot down and she's like, not my baby, not in the first two years. There's nothing you can't get in Montana that you can get out of state. So I started in Montana at the University of Montana and then transferred and finally didn't find my way to Las Vegas. And you know, I, I graduated with a bachelor's degree from there in finance, not hotel. I didn't, I didn't like the hotel administration once I got there. Um, but the, the biggest thing for me with that was just that big, you know, plunge into the deep end to go to a, a huge city for me from a small town. And um, I got a job with Wells Fargo Bank right after graduation. And this was a great way for me to cut my teeth because um, we worked with some of the most notorious gaming credits in the US. Um, so that was a great way for me to, you know, you, you hear MGM, Caesars Palace, all of those. It was it was a great way for a young girl to kind of get that experience. But you, you've probably heard the saying, you can take the girl off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the girl. <laughs> so I eventually transferred with the bank um, back to Montana. And I actually worked um, in that banking industry for 15 years. Um, I, you know, I was a 25-year-old vice president managing a $40 million portfolio. So I was, I would say by most stretches, I was successful, but I was really unfulfilled. And I had a real um, a clarity uh, moment for me in, in my office, in my corner VP office, um, one day after a loan committee that was really difficult. I kind of had a different um, standard than some of the other male lenders and I was hitting that proverbial glass ceiling um, in a small town. You know, we weren't as um, developed as maybe some of the other areas I'd been used to working in. And um, I just kind of thought, what am I doing? And I knew that the only one that could do something about it was me. And, um, you know, I had a lot of tough statistics at that point because I was um, the mother of three young children, all of which were under the age of seven. I was 35 years old. I was the breadwinner of my family. Um, my husband was a teacher at the time. And, you know, I had no insurance background, um, really nothing but my, you know, discipline, hard work, and really the network and the preparation that I had got, gotten through those first um, 15 years of banking. So it was a big plunge, and especially starting a business from scratch in a town of 2,500. Um, but I made that plunge because I wanted to do, you know, I could have plugged away. I'm very disciplined. I could have grinded it out for another 20 years and got that steady paycheck and all the benefits. But I wanted to show my kids that um, I needed to do whatever it took, even if there were risks, to come out of that toxic environment and um, do what was best for me and my family and my role as a mother. Wow. I, I've heard the word success a couple of times. Now, we've struggled for the last three years, Vanessa, on this podcast to determine what success actually is. And I know it's different things to different people. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try if I can, and this involves multitasking, which for a guy like me is very, very difficult. But I'm going to try and, and keep diving into your book because I loved reading it. There was loads of takeaways. And unfortunately, we're not going to do it total justice because we can't dissect it enough in 30 minutes. But I'm going to grab a few things and, and hopefully they'll act as little themes for us to talk about. Um, on um, page 75, you attribute this quote to a gentleman by the name of Albert Ian Gray. And he says, the common denomination of success, the secret of success of every man who has ever been successful lies in the fact 
that he formed the habit of doing things that failures don't like to do. Now, um, we've heard kind of expressions along those lines before. I want to go back to other words that you've also used, Vanessa, the word discipline. And uh, we'll talk about some of the crazy things you do, which involve running for very long distances with large blisters on the soles of your feet and wanting to give up multiple occasions along the way, but you somehow don't. So what is it? Is it, is it your background? Is it, was, it, was there an epiphany in your life? Is it just the way you're built? Is it experiences in life and business? What creates that, that inner drive, that determination to push beyond the comfort zone, to do the things that other people don't want to do? Because, you know, you're a successful businesswoman, you're a successful mum, you spin all these plates, and then goodness knows when you're not doing all those things, you know, you're running ultra marathons and marathons. So, A, I suppose the question is, why on earth would you want to do those things anyway? But having decided to do them, how do you push through and achieve things that other people find so difficult? Great question, of course. Um, and success is in the eye of the beholder, of course, like beauty. And so it's different to everyone. But for me, I think it all kind of stems back to, of course, I was motivated as a child. Um, but once I had children, I think my biggest motivation is, of course, them. And I, I'm not saying that to get out easy. Um, but I want to be able to be uncommon in the commonality of, you know, working mothers, all the respect in the world for them, um, the challenges that they face, my hat's off to them. Um, and I just wanted to maybe make that extra step from just being a wonderful working mother to being a little bit uncommon and showing my kids that truly with hard work and discipline, and you talk about in your book a lot, consistency and persistency, those are the keys to the success that you are, are driving for in the sense that I want them to see that I'm not going to just settle for a mediocrity, but you have to, you get out what you put in, in anything. And I want them to see that I want to be a working mother, but I want to be a successful business owner. I want to be a marathon runner. I want to be, you know, an athlete. I want to be those things so that they can look back and say, you know, my mom really, really pushed her limits. And she really um, went after those dreams that she had, even though she was so, I don't want to say overwhelmed, sometimes overwhelmed by being a working mother. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, you have a lot of guilt as a mother. Um, do you go to work? Do you do all this training when you should maybe be spending time with the kids? And, you know, it's, it's a constant battle. There's no secret sauce to that. And I don't want to, you know, I want to grab that guilt by the hand and I don't want to impress them. I want to impress upon them that with hard work and dedication, they can literally dream and achieve anything they, they seek. So that, that's my main motivation, I think. Well, well done. Well said. How, how on earth do you, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that email us, Vanessa, and they say, you know, I've got this big goal, this big dream, just don't seem to know how to get started. So, you know, there's nothing bigger when it comes to dreaming than an ultra marathon. I mean, marathons are one thing. I've, I've done those and, and I know a lot of people who haven't would say, wow, that's incredible. But for somebody who's, who's been through that a couple of times, I look at you and just, I have to doff my cap and just say, wow, you know, uh, that's, that's a whole different level. Um, but, you know, quite apart from the fact that you didn't grow up 
you know, running around the farm a hundred times a day or wake up one morning and go, do you know what? I'm going to run an ultra marathon. How, and, and I guess what I'm asking here is your advice on the big goal, the thing that um, strikes fear into people. They, they are desperate to achieve it. They don't want to live their life with regret, but they go, how on earth do I even start this process? So I, I guess the first question to you on that subject is, how do you start a process of dealing with something that might be very, very uncomfortable? Um, another good question. I think when I, when I put it in the context of running, um, I had, as I was having children, I had a couple miscarriages. And after the first one, I was just really broken inside. And I just felt like I needed to, to do something for, for myself and my mind and just to get clarity. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to start running. I just had, you know, I was an athlete in high school, but I'd never really dove deep into running. Um, but I just thought it was a good place to clear your mind and to just think. And I just really thought this is something I want to try. So I, I actually had to start with walking a block and running a block and walking a block and running a block. I mean, literally, and it took, you know, years and months. And I finally ran my first 5k, which to, even to this day is the toughest race I ever ran because it was my first. And it just felt so long. You know, I had a goal of 30 minutes, which now seems kind of crazy, but I, I hit it because I had worked at it. I, you know, I had IT band problems, the whole thing. When you start as a runner, I had it all. Um, but I just, I persevered. And I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you have this big goal and my initial goal was just a 5k, but I broke that down like any big goal. So whether it was my 50 miles, which I can describe how I moved up to that, but or it was my first 5k, you know, I broke it down to literally running a block, walking a block. So with anything, whether that's, you know, getting a big portfolio or, um, you know, any other goal that you have, you have to break it down. And if you look at like an ultra marathon and you look at the 50 miles or the hundred miles, even that, that you're going to set out to achieve, there's just no way your mind can get around that, that thought. So you, you just have to break it up. And I remember in my first marathon, I was, I was in so much pain and it was just so difficult. And I thought, you know what, Vanessa, every step you're taking is getting you that much closer. So just focus on that next step, that next step. And I think that's a good way to get me through, you know, anything I would, a song would come on and I thought, you know what, I'm just running through this song. I'll just get to the next song or, you know, I'll, I'll see something in the distance and I'll think I just need to get to that aid station or or whatever it is. And it's, you know, that first step's always the hardest, but is if you can break it down and just, you know, accept the fact that you're making progress, you'll get there. You really will. I, I seem to remember, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm so sorry if I misquote here, but I seem to think that there is a chapter in your book called Every Mile of Memory, but I might have that wrong. I mean, no, it it's right. Okay. So it resonated with me because exactly as you've just said there, it, you know, you, you break things down, uh, but you are creating an experience every step of the way whereas most people uh yeah so there's lots of benefits of of not just tackling the goal but also learning an awful lot along the way as well um i want to talk uh, at the moment if i if i may just for a second about perception that was another word big word that i picked out of your book and um and and it's interesting because it's a word that resonates with me a lot we we get a lot of um listeners who who write into us and 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 talk a lot about perception about how they they see things that after they've been through an experience, they see a completely different way. 
Uh, and I'm going to grab another quote, if I may, from your book, uh, where you say, it's all in perception. Uh, the great see opportunity where others see challenges. The great do whatever it takes to support their vision and forge ahead. The great make the climb no matter how steep because they see it as an opportunity and not an obligation. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? And, uh, you know, the, the whole thing around perception, because it's a, it's a big word that means a lot of different things to different people. I'm interested to have your take on this. Sure, I'd love to. Um, I think you've had guests on your podcast too that talk all about, and there's so many books written about mindset. And I just feel like that is such a true statement. It's it's all in your mindset. And whether you're running 100 miles or any other challenge, you got to get it wrapped around your mind first. And you got to see that opportunity because so many times in our day, you know, we'll call them challenges, they happen. Um, you know, whether it's traffic or a snowstorm or whatever. Um, but if you can just work at mind control and switching, just switching it in your mind a little bit to say, what, you know, what about this situation is, is positive or what is a new opportunity for me in this situation? Um, I, I actually wrote a, a quick little blog um, last year after my daughter she was a freshman, um, 14 years old, and she ran hurdles in track and field. And there was a great picture of her going over the hurdle and just so much determination in her face. And Claire, um, you know, she'd start off her races. She was slow out of the gate. Um, she was slow in the first, you know, few hurdles. But almost every race, it was like by the, the middle to the end, she was gaining momentum. And in a long 300-mile or 300-meter race, um, where all the other girls were really falling off when they were getting tired. She was using those hurdles as her advantage. And she was literally seeing that instead of a true obstacle, she was seeing it as an opportunity. And she would say, you know, she would gain and, and win these races with each hurdle. So it got stronger because she saw it differently. And, you know, they ask her, how can you run hurdles? It's so scary. And she's like, I think the hurdle's more scared of me than I am of it. And she just has a different perspective about it. And I think that's what made her successful because she saw it as, you know, these girls are going to see it as an obstacle. It's going to slow them down, but I'm going to use it to my advantage and I'm going to pick up the pace. So I just, I just love that, that thought and in any situation that you're in, how can you flip your mind, flip the script to see it differently? And there's so many opportunity in that. One of the other things that I picked up from your book, Vanessa, and, and it's not just the, the, the philosophical musings that you share, it was the lovely dedications that you set out at the beginning of the book. And you talk about your husband, uh, your three wonderful children, uh, and, and you mention other people like Amber, it might be, who ran with you uh, in an ultramarathon, and Kylie, who picked up the reins when Amber kind of fell off the pace. Uh, the reason I ask about those individuals uh, as part of your big support group is the importance of the team, whatever the team means to you. Any particular thoughts on uh, how much of an advantage those people, not, not just those specific people, but the people around you, you know, friends come and go, but the real inner circle, those people that have dragged you, sometimes screaming, kicking, through marathons, ultra marathons, the, the tough moments in business uh, and in life generally. How important is teamwork? Slightly rhetorical question, but you know, that support network, how important is it to you? 
Well, it's, it's obviously very huge. And I did, my book was, um, it was in sorts, a love letter to all the people that have made me me and who have supported me through all this. And, um, I was so glad to be able to share some of those precious moments that I, that I had with them, including in, and especially in like, uh, an ultra marathon setting, um, you have a crew because it's, you know, a long ways and it's, sometimes over 24 hours in hundred mile races. And my husband runs hundred mile races and he is very decorated and has done, I think 2,100 milers. So I've crewed him on those as well. And I think, you know, that teamwork, it's not just the runner, it's that whole team and the, the spirit of humanity that you see, the human spirit that you see come out in those races and with those teams, when that runner gets to the checkpoint and they're the voice of reason and they're the, they're the support behind it saying, okay, let's get you new shoes. Let's tape this blister. Okay. Let's, you know, you're going to have to eat this. We need some electrolytes. And they're, they're that voice of reason when you're so deep into your, to your space and you're running and you're, you know, just so focused, you have to depend on those people to um, delegate and initiate all the other moving parts that are, that are in play for that. And so I love um, marathon and ultra marathon running because of that teamwork. That's what makes it so special. And it's not, you know, you wouldn't think of running as a team sport, but um, of course you'd think of basketball or baseball or whatever, but it is, it's such a team sport and that, that core that you have with you, um, you really couldn't do it without them. And it's just something that I would love everyone to witness that, you know, when you're, when you're chasing your dream, it's one thing, but when you have people that have sacrificed their time and energy to support you and believe in you, there's just something so magical about that. And I think that's, that comes through so loud in that sport. Beautifully put. I love the fact you, you, you think of your book as a love letter. That's, that's lovely. Um, chapter 10 is called 10 plus one. I'm going to ask you in a moment why, you called your book the penultimate step because when you told me why I just thought wow that's 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 so cool I really I really like your idea for the book uh you know 10 plus one starts with a lovely quote from an unknown source and the quote goes as follows your wings already exist all you have to do is fly so I guess what we're we're saying there what you're saying is that you know we all have it within us to achieve the things we want to achieve but inevitably you know there will be people listening will say right okay I get it I break it all down. I, I, I start that, that first step and then and follow it with another. But then at some point on that journey, it gets really, really painful. And the little voice on my shoulder says, it's time to quit. I, you know, I, I can't do any more. And I know you've been in that situation many, many times before. Um, how do you deal with that moment where you feel like it's time to stop, to, to give it all up, where it just hurts a little bit too much? How do you get over that? that final obstacle. And that's something to, to be honest, I'm working with it all the time and I don't think I'm very good at it. Actually, I think I'm, I'm somewhat weak-minded. And when you get to that uncomfortable, uncomfortable point where you just think, I, I just can't, why am I doing this? You know, um, that comes up a lot. And when you're running these long races and you don't want it to. I kind of say it's like a cancer. You just can't get that negativity in your head because once it gets in there, it just like it takes over. So I oftentimes will say to myself, run happy, you know, smile. And I make sure 
at the aid stations, I'm always like, I try to be the most enthusiastic person there, even if I'm dying, just because, you know, they've volunteered their time. Why be, why be angry? So I smile, I thank them. You know, I, I, I say hi to other runners. I'm trying to be positive just to keep that. It's a selfish reason. I want to keep that positivity in my head, but I am working on that mind control and that point where you just think I can't do it anymore. So number one is you've got to have in your head the why, like, why am I doing this? And of course we kind of touched on this. You know, I want to show my kids that I, I can do this. I can be uncommon. I can, I can have a goal and a dream. And even if it takes me 10 years to get there, 20 years to get there, I don't want to see them. I don't want them to see me give up. I don't, I don't want to get to that point of uncomfortable and just say, oh, this is fine. I don't need to do this. Why do I need to do this? Um, because I don't want them to get to that point in their life and give up. It's just, you know, nothing is easy when it comes to big goals like that. And I think you have to really work on, my husband says this a lot, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so um, you kind of get to that point where you embrace it and you say, yes, you know, this pain is coming, you know, it's going to be there, but how can you like embrace it and, and channel it? And I focus on breathing. I focus on letting my energy come through me. I mean, that sounds kind of, I don't know in the stars, but I do focus on, on that, um, just to keep me aligned and, and, and remember my three little faces that are looking at me and that are cheering for me. And I think that helps push through, um, I just recently read a book that's been out there for a long time by David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. And it's a wonderful example of mind control. And, and you talk about it in your, your book as well. But, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can work on to change your mindset um, in the, once you get to that difficult point. And I'm, I'm working on it every day, Sandro. I, it's, I'm not that good at it, actually. So it's something I work on every day. Well, you know what? Thank you for your candle because, you know, again, there'll be people listening going, well, this all comes naturally to Vanessa and, you know, she's super successful. And, you know, what, what we're saying here on the Sandro Forte podcast is there's some extraordinarily successful people in whatever they've achieved or overcome. And yet fundamentally, we are still all working on it every single day. It's not, it's not, a, we don't get to an end point and go, ah, oh, that's it. You know, we're done. Um, the penultimate step. Why? Why did you call it the penultimate step? Because you know, there, there's a reason, right? Right. So yeah, when when I tell people the name of my book, and then they want to go and repeat it or say something about it, they're always reluctant because it's not a word that's used that often in the English language. Um, but it's it's a word that was important to me. Um, I was a track and field athlete, as as my husband was, and um, it. It's the second to last step before takeoff. So by definition, it's an adjective meaning second to last. And um, it's important in particularly the long jump event because it's the second to last step before you launch where um, it's your preparation step. It's a little shorter than the rest. It allows you to lower your hips, but keep your velocity. And the, I think the key to preparation, the key to success, I'm sorry, is always in your preparation. And so I like that word because of my history with it in the track and field and, and the um, commonality that my husband and I shared with that word um, because it's not often used, but it got me thinking about how important penultimate is in anything. And I feel like we have a lot of penultimate steps in our life. They're, they're not just on the track and field and your penultimate steps are your preparation steps. And that is the key to success. Like you can, 
you know, you can dream, you can um, have the desire to win and all those things. But if you don't have the desire to prepare and go through those long miles and that long training or, you know, you're, you're spending time at the office and you're making one call and then the next and you hear no, but you make the next one and the next one. It's all that preparation. Um, so, you know, in, in the end, sometimes those are the most beautiful steps as well. You know, it's not even just that that final gold medal moment. Sometimes it's, it's you know, some of the greatest treasures aren't found at just the finish line, but rather all along the way. And that's what the penultimate is. Mm, I love it. Yeah, really, really, really good. Um, it resonated with me because I think a lot of us, exactly as you've just articulated so well, a lot of us desire the outcome, but overlook the fact that there are many, many steps that we need to take to get there. I, I also want to just touch on... Um, Vanessa Buckland as a mother, if I may, because, you know, you've been very successful in business and, uh, you know, very successful in pretty much all the other things you've turned your hand to with this, this tenacity and the resilience and this, um, this, this desire to achieve great outcomes. But at the same time, you are also spinning other plates and you've got three lovely children uh, who need your time. And, you know, running 50 miles is not the sort of thing you can just say, hang fire kids just stay there I'll, I'll be back in 10 minutes so how do you how do you balance all of that stuff I mean have you have you cracked that one is it still a work in progress uh, and you know do you do you find yourself sometimes consumed by guilt because you're not doing enough as a mother uh do you try to balance that against the work you do as a businesswoman to provide for your family how does how does that work for you how what what sort of successes or otherwise are you achieving as a mum in terms of your balance in in life and that's that's the ultimate um question and and the pursuit that i work on every single day so if i could say there was a you know secret sauce or there was cliff note versions that i could just throw out there for all the working moms there isn't it's something that i focus on each and every day and i feel like um you know like we've always heard, there's a time and the place for everything. And so it's not that, um, I think what I, I look to do is prioritize. Like if there's a time for training, if there's a time for going to the kids' activities, if there's a time for, you know, focusing on the business, and then you prioritize that depending on where you need to be. And, and you're not neglecting any one thing, you're just prioritizing it in the time. And I would say that, if I, I feel like I'm getting off balance, like really off balance with one thing or another, I always go back to my fundamental and I always come back to like my family, my three kids. And I, I, you know, spend the day with them or spend the, the evening with them. And they're always my number one priority. So we, in my calendar, and we've all learned this, you know, with training, I put their stuff first. So I am, I'm there with them every morning. We have breakfast together. I do the little one's hair and we go off together. And every night I make dinner and we all sit the whole family around the table. And we are very big on that. That's a priority for us. Um, kind of old school farm family, but we sit around the table and have dinner together. And we talk about the worst part and the best part of our day. So, you know, that is in there. That's what we do. All of their big events that's in there. And then I have to work around that priority. So, you know, it's early, early mornings for me. It's, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock almost every day so that I can get my run in or my, you know, training in or whatever it is. And 
I must say my kids got used to a running stroller for a lot of years. They were stuck in that for a long time. Um, my husband and I, for our dates, we would actually get a babysitter to go run. So, I mean, that was our priority. So you just kind of have to, to fit it all in. And I, I'll go back to the, the original comment about guilt. And like I said before, I, I tried to take that by the hand and kind of own it and say, like, what I'm doing is I'm just not, I'm not trying to impress them. I just want them to realize and impress upon them that it's just, it's you you get out what you put in and you have to put in the time. It's just not going to come to you. And I tell my kids all the time, you can dream whatever you want. You can absolutely do whatever you can get in your mind. And I want to prove that to them. Like, I want them to see that and say like, my mom did that. I love that. Um, Walk the walk, not just talk the talk. I mean, that's, that's uh, great, great words from, from a, from a very successful mom. I'm sure you're doing everything the right way. And I'm, I'm smiling to myself as you're speaking, thinking, I, I'm just, if I was a fly on the wall listening to you say to your kids, mummy's just running down to the shops, except that kind of has a completely different connotation in my head because a run down to the shops for me would be, you know, a quarter of a mile down the road for you. It's like, oh no, like next city. Um, but a uh, couple, of, couple of final questions, Vanessa, if I may. The first one is, how do people get hold of your book, first of all? And how do they connect with you? Because I'm sure lots of people have questions will want to find out what you're doing, will want to follow in your slipstream. So how do people connect with you, first of all? And, and most importantly, how did you get a copy of this wonderful book? Oh, thank you. So the book is on Amazon, um, The Penultimate Step. And then it's also sold through Barnes & Noble and um, Book Baby. So I self-published through Book Baby. And um, you can get a hold of me. I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn, just Vanessa Buckland. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear from any of you. As I'm sure you will. Final question, Vanessa, uh, in, the, in the short time we have left. Uh, if you were sitting down uh, with your three children, husband by your side, and, and one of the children says, Mommy, we, you know, we've been watching you and Daddy uh, achieve all these great things, and, and we love what you stand for, and the way you are kind of coaching us to be the very best versions of ourselves that we can possibly be. But if you condense down everything into kind of one mantra, one rule to live our lives by, what would the one rule be if there was one that transcended all the others, Vanessa? Well, that's tough. <laughs> Seems like we're always giving them little snippets of ideas and quotes and, and all that. And we have on our refrigerator, there's quotes posted for the kids to see. But um, I think that, you know, maybe the biggest thing is that nothing can replace hard work. And I want them to realize that it's it's hard work and discipline, but they can enjoy and they can find so many treasures and the thrill of the fight and the, um, you know, the, the accomplishments that they make as they, they go through the process. Those are some wonderful moments. It's not always the end goal. It's not always the finish line, but to not take the challenges as, as difficulties, but see them as opportunities. Um, so I guess the biggest quote would be, you know, don't see it as an obstacle, but see it as an opportunity. I love that. What a, what a lovely way to end this podcast today. I wish I could chat to you for longer, but um, sadly, that's all we have got time for today. But nevertheless, um, I was eagerly anticipating talking to you today uh, and you have not disappointed anything but actually, and hopefully everyone listening from different parts of the world will feel exactly the same way. So Vanessa Buckling, thank you. Good luck in all you continue to do. 
Uh, good luck with the book sales. I'm sure there'll be a few listeners out there buying copies. Um, but uh, for now, and you know, do stay in touch. I hope we do. And uh, all the way from snowy Montana, very kind of you to find the time, dive into a school and, and jump on a podcast with us today. But good luck in all you continue to do. And uh, as I say, hopefully lots of people will be reading your book before very long. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you, of course, to all of you. Once again, I'm humbled by the fact that we have so many listeners from all around the world. I think 48 different countries. It really is extraordinary. Thank you. Uh, don't forget, we've got a new guest every week joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. So do make sure you tune in so that you can hear their insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. Do tell friends and family. And what we're going to do, we're going to acquire five copies of Vanessa's book and we are going to offer those to five lucky winners, just as we've done many times with guests who've written books before. All you have to do is like or share Vanessa's podcast today and you will be entered into a free prize draw to win one of the books that we will purchase from Vanessa and give away for free. If you'd like to email us with a question, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com or you can connect with Vanessa directly as always. Do leave those reviews on iTunes. That's really, really important. Please, please, please. And finally, do connect with me, Sandro Forte on Twitter and the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. Thank you once again to Vanessa Buckland. I'm sure you will agree. She was an absolutely amazing guest. And to all of you for listening, once again, thank you. See you this time next week.